0: at about three o'clock i find that my energy dips and i think most people have an energy dip just because of circadian rhythm and because of our sleep-wake cycles what is it about the ketones specifically that bring people tbi or addiction based to homeostasis
1: ketones are basically a derivative of fat that your body naturally produces when it's in a starvation mode if you can have a drinkable ketone you skip that conversion step so you can have something that you directly consume that gives you ATP, but it's not a protein fat carbohydrate. You have, instead of only like three colors, like red, green, blue to like paint pictures, Yeah, you have like a fourth color that didn't really exist in conjunction. Because like normally in physiology, you don't really have a context where you have high glucose and high ketones at the same time. So from an athletic context perspective, and that's where we're seeing a lot of the performance gains, you have carbs and ketones elevate at the same time, which doesn't happen normally.
0: Yeah, to me, this is like the ultimate biohack.
1: This is a special table from Tamarindo, Costa Rica. Have you ever been down to Costa Rica before? I need to go. I So many friends are saying, you know, such good things about Costa Rica. Yeah. It feels like Pura Vida, kind of that lifestyle. Sounds oh, great.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Are you, are you a spiritual guy, religious guy, atheist? Where do you fall in that spectrum?
1: I grew up not having any religion. I mean, I think my parents came, kind of got out of communist China. So mm. a lot of like that religion of China was kind of, banhammered by the communist party of China.
0: Do you feel like they escaped or they chose to leave?
1: I mean, a bit of both to some extent, right? Like I think some of the smartest people of that culture got out, right? Like people wanted to go, go live the American dream versus being sent to the countryside. as like farmers and uh, you know, the proletariat essentially. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of my, you know, grandparents were like educated and, and there was like this whole, Cultural Reformation. So I think partly like looking for building a better life, and I think a lot of Asian Americans or a lot of just immigrants in general are coming to like live the American dream and and live almost for their next generation. So I feel very thankful. Yeah, that you know, born in America, I feel like I have like the blue collar work ethic of that immigrant mindset of like literally being on the farm or you know yeah. empathy of my parents and grandparents who were like sent down to the farm. Um, and, but also just having that confidence of being, hey, like, just straight up, I feel as, uh, you know, primarily an American, right? Like I think a lot of immigrants come here don't feel super belonged mm. to like the American tapestry, but whatever, you know, just growing up here, and I feel like, hey, you know, I probably pay more taxes, you know, employ more people than like the average American. Like I have no a huge stakeholder of like the American success, like all yeah. my assets are here, so. And I think a lot of my work now intersects with the military and veteran community, and a lot of the first responders. So I think a lot of that original ethos of come to America, build, create, mm. have freedom, wow. uh, live the American dream. It, 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 like I, I, I'm like uh, fully in that Kool Aid.
0: Yeah, and you're and you're here wow. in Texas, which is like, in my opinion, the last frontier. We had David Wolf on the show, and he was like, well if everything falls apart in America, then Texas can just secede. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> we can just live here. And, and and it's really cool because, man, when I started really digging into like what HVMN was and the science and then trying it myself, it's been a constant battle of like caffeine in my life, ups and downs and roller coasters. But then when I started learning about the ghrelin benefits and the appetite suppression and the energy and the cognition and the metabolism, I was like, Why have I never heard of this before? And I think it was because ketones in the past, like when most people hear the word ketones, they think of like, oh, it's a fat loss MLM (laughs) Or or, or it's some kind of bullshit science. But like, this is very, very deep in science 2003 darpa like by the way welcome to the podcast we've already been rolling for a minute here so thank you for being in austin
1: Uh, great to be here
0: um and 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 there's a part of my heart that's so excited about this and there's also just a part of my body that's excited about it because like i said i've I've battled with caffeine for so long and so many people in our community have written in like what do i do besides that third fourth even unfortunately fifth cup of coffee especially like the the busy parents like I'm a parent. And so, you know, when we have sleep deprivation, like we need more energy. So maybe let's jump off right here. Like the 2003 and your relationship with DARPA and everything that came from maybe that culmination point, there was the early experience with HVMN with nootropics. And then at some point, y'all shifted into really having these ketones as a fuel substrate. Yep. Um, at the time, I'm sure in 2003, you were still a computer scientist in computer yep. engineering, right? Yep. So did you even like looking back in this fun time machine, could you even see you sitting here being the co-founder of uh, your company of HVMN? Like, could you even look back and go, wow, I never saw that coming. Or did you have an inkling when you're in computers?
1: I think, it's, I, I think about that Steve Jobs quote, like you can't track the dots moving forward, but looking back it all fits in, into the right places. Uh, I think as a computer science scientist, as an engineer, I think the idea of optimizing oneself is just very natural to us. I think when you're optimizing computer code, right, like Big O efficiency of algorithms, right. Like I think a lot of this, the, 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 I would say the big improvements or the leap of machine learning AI is not necessarily the like the math has changed. Is that like the efficiency of these algorithms have gotten much better? Mm. So in some sense. As much as AI is a math problem, it's an efficiency and engineering problem. How do you get more data, uh, training data in the data pipeline, right? All, these are all engineering problems. So I think if I look backwards, you know, was always interested in how to organize, uh, like uh, first a computer program, which is similar to marshaling people, right? In some sense, when you're managing a podcast or managing a business, you have different algorithms or functions within your organization it's funny I never, i've never thought of them that, as that, algorithms but you basically tell them hey if this then that if this sure, then sure. that right there and, and, and that's
0: essentially what an algorithm is if yeah this, it's basically then
1: that? having a re- very rigorous if then statements that you can get more and more advanced with different cases different uh-huh. heuristics right an algorithm is just like a step-by-step process that can be replicated in a turing complete computer mm. and that just like and that can be encoded in zero and one binary form. So most things, so, so there's like, you can get very philosophical and this is like the edge of like information theory, can everything be coded in zero and ones? And you know, there's an argument that yeah, like, like maybe that's that simulation hypothesis, right? Like yeah. maybe we are just in a giant computer simulation that can be encoded in zero by, by binary.
0: Well, the quantum computing, like the superposition of, of the ones and the zeros, and even Kev- Kevin Kelly's description of the technium, which is yep. the consciousness experiencing itself through technology. Yep. That, that's a total rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering when you were sitting in that rabbit hole at some point and the opportunity presented itself for you and Michael, like you had to do a gut check moment. Am I going to stay in computer science? Am I going to go maybe this more traditional path? I don't know if your parents wanted you to stay in that lane or not, but like we all have these moments yeah. in life that we have to decide that what we really want and what we really believe in yeah. is the path we're going to go, and regardless of what people think or feel, all these people on the wall did the exact same thing. Yeah, you know Martin Luther King and Larry King and Frank Sinatra and Betty White and even all the people that founded Burning Man. They they did a path for themselves, and they had to do it because they just believed it. You know, so there was something that made you go that jumped the bridge
1: between the old and the new. What was that? I mean, it didn't feel like a risk at the time. I, I think I've been lucky where. I had academic success young. I feel like when I hear a lot of podcasts are like, hey, I was kind of a fuck up when I was a kid. I was just actually very good at school. So like like was the highest SAT score as an eighth grader in the country. Like random little factoids like that. Wow. Uh, did a lot of science fairs and math competitions. It just came easy for you? I think I'm really good at taking multiple choice tests. Okay. Like I think how a lot of people will say, hey, I'm like bad at taking tests. Like I'm just, fuck. I, I, I know how to like guess well. And I think I would just like, I think I just read a lot as a kid, so I had a, like a, I would say like a fairly advanced vocabulary. Like I just would I, like I remember like those library challenges. I don't know if people go to libraries anymore, but like read like 500 books in a summer and you get like little prizes and all that stuff. So I was like super into Never all read that. Read 500 stuff. books in a summer, probably. I mean, I, I, like Encyclopedia Brown, like all these like ch- like goose, I don't oh, know, like, wow. all that kind of stuff, right? Huh. And there's so I was just a big reader, and I, but I was also I would say like rebellious. I think that my parents knew that they couldn't re- necessarily like tell me what to do. Mm. So at, at some point, I think, you know, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to Stanford, do computer science degree. Like, you know, before we graduated school, had a chance to start a company backed by Y Combinator, one of the top early stage VC firms out there. So, mm. uh, you know, I either had a path to either do my PhD at Princeton. Uh, join Facebook early or uh, start my own company. So again, so it, with that context, it wasn't like, hey, I, I had like a no safety valve. It was just like, hey, I had like really credible traditional paths. Yeah, but, And I basically had a free bankroll. I was like 21, 22 that a VC firm was gonna give me $170,000, which at the time felt like infinite money to like start an app business with a couple of my like smartest Stanford computer science and electrical engineering friends. So at the time, it was like, hey, like this is uh, very like a free roll on being an entrepreneur. Hmm. Long story sh- short, uh, sold that company to Groupon right before I turned 24. And that opened up a lot of, I would say, like economic and just an aperture to ex- explore personal interests and optimizing myself. Biohacking was just like something that I just naturally enjoyed doing. So it wasn't like, hey, I wanted to become like a biohacking human performance business person. It was just something that I was like doing on the weekends for fun. So I was like ordering new pepped Russian Alzheimer drugs, random like racetams just through like the Internet and buying like the sub microgram <laughs> like little <laughs> drug scales and on, like on
0: Silk Road <laughs> or on the actual web
1: both uh, just, yeah just where we could source this stuff right yeah. i can remember at the time like there was a lot coming out of like alibaba a lot of these like chinese mm-hmm. like chemistry labs right like a lot of these things were just like and what time was this what year was this probably like 2014 2014 yeah almost a decade ago
0: wow that is so crazy to think about yeah okay so trace trace it back 2003 to 2014 when darpa wanted to increase muscle mass in soldiers yep. through the mtor pathway And then how did that plug into you actually making the jump? What kind of research did you gather before you felt confident to leave the traditional path behind and do your own thing? Yeah,
1: so I think like our entry into the ketone space, I think we have to just recognize we're really standing on top of the shoulders of giants. So the ketone research, I would say, uh, was anchored, I think, around—I would would say that the story really starts with this uh, Harvard Medical School professor who did the seminal study on fasting— so he would fast seminary students for ninety days. Ninety days, yeah. So like one of the longest fasting experiments was like a three hundred sixty five plus day fast. Were Which, they overweight or yeah? This guy, this okay. particular N equals one was like an overweight person, and this was like in the sixties and seventies where like the ethics approval were were possible to do this. Okay. Um, so the, the theology students were just fasting, and you would get these very interesting ketone blood glucose triglyceride. All the substrates that power metabolism, like those were the seminal human studies when you're just fasting these humans for like these long, senate durations. So I'd say that a lot of that early research saw that ketones were looking like a very good replacement for glucose. So in the 60s and 70s, it was like, hey, uh, we don't just go brain dead when we run out of stored glucose or glycogen. Right, I think there's like a lot of this common saying, especially in like the in modern endurance world. Hey, you got to eat gels and sugar and all that stuff, or, or yeah. else well, so you're gonna like carb load, out. carb load, right? So I think that has been a meme within like the performance endurance uh, sector for a long time. But it's obviously very clear that you know, you know, when we were hunter gatherers, we were not just constantly having sugar bombs in our pockets, right? Mm-hmm. Like these people would do multi day endurance hunts. So I think in some sense, we almost forgot that. Ancestral wisdom of, hey, you can run on fat, you can run on ketones. And I think this Harvard study really showed that, hey, we actually are plotting out the PK curves of all these different substrates. Um, some other scattering of interesting research, again predating you know before I was alive and before I was like focused on in the human performance space, mm. saw that there was an interesting petri dish study showing uh, different substrates powering sperm cells and how vigorous they were. So you would drop sugar, triglycerides, fatty acids, and ketones into sperm cells and the uh, sperm cells on ketones were swimming the fastest. So there's a couple early interesting indications that, hey, something is interesting about this ketone substrate. Um, But I would say that like a lot of it got forgotten because the way to get to ketosis was one, if you Googled in 2014 what ketosis was, you would get diabetic ketoacidosis. Right,
0: which is totally different than what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's basically you have no backstop of insulin. You just Mm -hmm produce so many ketones because your body's trying to fuel that your blood gets acidic mm-hmm. that's like saying hey you're going to just continue gorging on sugar uh, because your body doesn't know like it, it wants to fuel and it's fueling it with ketones but it doesn't know how to stop yeah um so that was like literally in 2014 i think when you're saying like hey this is like some weird kooky thing like in 2014 when you google keto it was like ketoacidosis or hey, this is Kim Kardashian's magical diet to like lose weight. <laughs> I remember there was like headlines: hey, this is yeah. like Kim Kardashian's magic li- like elixir to lose weight, um, or like hey, this is bad for you. Like being in ketosis, like you're gonna you're gonna die. Mm-hmm.
0: There is such a hype in this world about pre workout, post workout supplements that let's be honest, they're just full of caffeine. It's just a bunch of stimulants for you. But there is another path. It's the combination of red beet, cordyceps and rhodiola. This is the Organifi original, the OG red juice made for energy support that I use as a pre-workout. Now it's low in sugar. It's got a sweet berry taste. It's high in antioxidants. It is a truly natural energy boost. It tastes like berry punch and it's got six different fruits, red beet, rhodiola, cordyceps, reishi mushroom, freeze-dried berries, Siberian ginseng, lemon and prebiotic powder. This is the adaptogen above all adaptogens. It's part of your ritual kit. You can get at joshtrent.com forward slash organifi. O R G A N I F I. Joshtrent.com forward slash organifi. Now, if you use the code Wellness Force, you get twenty percent off your entire shopping cart. You can get twenty percent off with the code Wellness Force at the Organifi website, or the quick link is joshtrent.com forward slash. Organifi. Pick up a canister of this red juice. If you're sick of these caffeine-boosted products that really just kind of crack you out, give Organifi a shot. I think you're going to be really happy with it. It's what I take before I go into the garage and get sweaty myself. Joshtrend.com forward slash Organifi. Use the code Wellness
1: Force. You get 20% off. So again, like why was ketose? And I think there's other, I mean, just like, just to give you a little bit of a context. I mean, ketosis has been interesting in a number of ways. There was, uh, in the early 1900s, uh, putting children on a keto diet was the only way to control seizure and epilepsy before all these anti-seizure drugs came out. So there's been applications throughout history, but no one has pieced together, I would say, until the emergence of something like exogenous consumable ketones and like the formalization of like a keto diet being like a big movement. And I think carnivore is like a subsector of that movement. Yeah, That I would say was really popularized five ten years ago where one I think now in the public mainstream like hey like eating a keto diet or eating a carnivore diet is like very doable where I think you talk to the average person in 2010 like yo you're gonna die mm-hmm. like how mm-hmm. can you only eat steaks like you're gonna die now it's like hey like we see people like Sean Baker Paul Sanadino yeah. I think liver King just like running around just
0: You know, what's funny is we had Paul on the show uh, in the middle of the craziness in 2020. And I remember we were both living in Encinitas at the time. And he was sharing with me, like, look, one person's path is not everyone's path. You have to actually be, like you said, the N equals one. You have to be your own, maybe even to quote Kevin Kelly, you have to be your own citizen scientist. You know, you have to like do the things yourself. And I wonder, like, when 2013, 2014 came around for you, you had already been tinkering on the weekends, you said it was it didn't come from pain it came from your own pleasure-seeking, performance-seeking, optimization-seeking. Yeah. A lot of times people come to ketones because they're in pain. They yes. have CHD, they have obesity, they have all these different autoimmune issues and what have you. I think it's really cool that you did something new. A lot of times on the podcast, when I'm sitting with somebody, they're like, yeah, it came from my own fucking crucible, from, from me being in pain. But you're like, no, I was actually just tinkering and it came from fun. Can um, you, I'm, can I'm you glad talk you about mentioned
1: that because I, I, I do feel a little bit like Uh, 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 kind of a black sheep in the overall industry to some extent in the sense Uh that i think i think you're exactly right like i think people come to these alternate uh methodologies because of desperation because like the standard classical western medicine system didn't work for them i feel very fortunate that i was just literally like reasonably healthy 24 25 year old just messing around and like trying to You know, at the time, like, hey, I was in the mindset, like, if I can be 1% smarter, the economic outcomes of being number one in Silicon Valley is literally billions of dollars for being number two. Mm. Right? Like, it's a parallel distribution of value creation, right? If you are Uber, you are 10 times more valuable than Lyft. If you are Facebook, you literally, like, MySpace doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, my mindset at the time was, if I can have an incremental advantage in cognition, um, for an economic battle of company formation, that would be interesting to optimize myself for. So that was my problem set coming into this.
0: That's honest. You're like, cool. I did it for money.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I did it. Yeah. Yeah, For money, but like, like, uh, yeah, competing on an economic battlefield or competing for for ideas. I mean, I think I have a lot of empathy now towards a lot of athletes because it's in a a similar way. It's like, Hey, they're all athletes. I mean, they're all like very healthy, generally, you know, smart people. And it's like, hey, how do I get an advantage on my opponent? Mm. Right. Like it's got to be legal advantage. But of course, like we're trying to figure out a better way to train, a better way to fuel, a better way to compete across all sports. Yeah. You're not trying to win. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Sure. Um,
0: At some point, though, it, it, you're, you're, it's funny. We usually burn protein, carbs and fat for yeah. fuel. And that's our substrate, right? Which by the way, we're going to talk about this PubMed study with with ketones being the fourth micronutrient, which I think is fascinating. But I love how you yourself are literally an embodiment of your brand because you went from like just basically wanted to succeed in Silicon Valley to then finding out there was all these insane benefits of your product for people that are suffering. It's interesting how you went from your own fuel substrate of wealth creation to now helping and serving people that are suffering or athletes that want to perform better and it's like it's so interesting because in our bodies we burn a different substrate yeah. normally but this one we don't really know about the public doesn't know about this yeah. that's why we're here talking about it yeah. i find that to be totally cool and a really interesting connection the the, the motivation that drives you switched
1: yeah it, no i mean i think you're exactly right i think as we got further into the ketogenic diet realizing that fasting had very similar properties to being on a ketogenic diet, right? You're, you're with fasting, restricting all calories, with a ketogenic diet, restricting carbohydrate. Mm. A lot of mechanisms in terms of, you know, whether it's insulin, mTOR, some AMPK, right? They they're they're very similarly impacted with calorie restriction and carbohydrate restriction. So I got super into intermittent fasting back in 2014, 2015. So, you know, kind of as a side quest. In this nootropics and all that stuff, started getting really into fasting. So, um, I think a lot of the Walter Longo research out of USC was just dropping around that time. Um, so, just started doing seventy-two hour fast. So, like me and like the HMN team at the time, we would do Sunday nights to Wednesday mornings. Wow. Like we just went in hard. Like I, I didn't even like there was no like, I mean, there were early discussions on OMAD and 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 and, and, and like in, like shorter time eating windows, but a lot of like the mouse studies were pretty long duration. So mm. we just started like, boom, 72 hour fasts. Um, and eventually like the longest fast I've done is a seven day water fast, which was, and going back to the original question, I think I've become, you know, not very religious growing up, but like much more open minded in terms of spirituality and, cool. and, and all of that.
0: Because and, of the fasting, did you have a, a spiritual experience or a heart opening experience fasting?
1: Yes, I think like it's, Interesting from like a cognitive perception perspective that I, I think my approach to it is actually just a much more pragmatic than that, actually. I think I've just seen like a lot of friends and business partners. For example, like Jake Paul, who's my venture capital fund partner is, he, I don't think he would classify himself as religious per se, but he's very, very spiritual and is like very, very focused on manifestation and like thinking through. and And I've just seen like how, one carries yourself can affect the reality around you Mm. so to me it's like I see the power when there's like true belief true faith in something where like having no faith uh, doesn't get me any incremental advantage so if it's a placebo effect at worst I will take it yeah, so that, love- that so that's like the very pragmatic answer. Like, I don't know if there's like a specific book that describes a holy guy in the sky. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure that there is like a human anthropomorphic thing that like cares about Definitely like not. who not I'm human. sleeping with or like if I masturbate or not. Right? Like, I think a lot of the very humanized focus on some of these teachings are very myopic. Sure, but am I open minded towards? Is there some universal energy source, maybe there's a, like a computer simulator programmer out there. And if I have faith in it or pray to it or think about it or manifest to it, at the very minimum, it's a placebo and I have some sort of like comfort in that giving up some sort of uh, control to it. Yeah. And maybe at best, maybe there's something out there is listening and like, it's going to bend reality towards my will.
0: Ever since I was a little kid, I thought I was in the Truman Show, which is why when I saw the Truman Show where he's always being watched, I'm like,
1: that's how I've been feeling. I've
0: I've literally been feeling like we're in the Truman Show. And, And you said, I don't know if we're being watched. I don't know exactly what it is, but I do know exactly what God or what intelligence feels like. And so I'm not here to say that my definition of God or my views around spirituality are the best. They're just mine. Just like any choice I make for my body or my mind or my emotional health. These are my choices. And this show has and always will be just a place for people to come to trust this physical, emotional, financial, and spiritual and just an understanding of how do we nourish ourselves? How do we nourish ourselves in a a way that we can live our life well? Like that's the core question for me. All this intellectualization, Jeff, about like, what is this and what is, what is the meaning of life and the purpose of life? I think that's a beautiful path that unfolds as we grow older. And especially when we have children, you know, to tie it back, I'm thinking about you and Jake Paul and the motivations that he might have and the motivations that you have, like the motivation for us to do anything has to come from our heart. Yeah. We can't necessarily force that. Otherwise, if we force it, I've found we really meet a, a darker part of ourselves. And when we meet that darker part of ourselves, we go through burnout, We go through a lot of like different hurdles that we can't cross or maybe you even break up from a relationship or get fired from a safe corporate job like have you had one of those before you became the co-founder of hvmn did you ever have a moment where you had to really gut check yourself and look at your beliefs or your way of being
1: i would say that probably the a gut check moment was around building hvmn actually I think in a, my academic career, I felt like, you know, was generally doing well. So I think in some sense, I think, and I think this is as applied to just my view on entrepreneurship or just like people in general, right? Like you gotta, like people have to gotta take L's. And I think so many of us never are shielding ourselves from actually taking losses, putting ourselves mm-hmm. out there. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the strongest people I know, the most resilient people I know, take so many friggin' L's, but they don't give up and they keep improving. And I think that we just see the highlight reel of everyone, but you go behind the scenes. I'm sure you've interviewed like really renowned business people, podcasts, right? That, yeah. like, they, like they all have just like not given up. That's right. So I think it goes back to, um, so I think in, in terms of like, I think a, a, like a formational part in terms of like scaling up HVMN. Okay, so fasting, keto diet, you have to fast, you have to do like basically a lot of dietary intervention or workouts to make your body turn its own fat reserves into ketones. Ketogenesis, your liver has to uh, convert its fat stores. Yeah. It takes a long time. Uh, you can get really good at it and maybe you get your natural ketones up, you know, in 18 hours, 24 hours. But usually if you're just like a carb eater, you're going to take like multiple days and you're going to get what's called keto flu. You're going to feel really shitty for I've a gone while. through that, yeah. Yeah, because your body just got to adapt, readapt its enzymes, sure. all its metabolism to focus on uh, being a fat burner. So, As I was getting super deep into fasting, there was a research paper that came out of Oxford that showed that exogenous ketones can improve cycling endurance. Uh, But the stuff was super expensive to make. Like this shot would have cost 2,500 bucks for one dose. So in the DARPA programs, these were just being literally made by hand in chemistry labs at NIH in Oxford and it's like handmade and, and you were purifying from petroleum crude oil product. Whoa. Right? So like most organic molecules are just carbon-based link chains, right? Like sugar is, has carbon, fatty acids, carbon chains. And what is crude oil or petroleum product? It's like fossilized plant matter and dinosaurs. Sure. So the way that a lot of organic molecules are produced actually, so like these are things in a lot of foods and lots of cosmetics. These are just purified petroleum product through all these fancy chemical engineering synthesis processes. So when HUMN came into the picture, we realized that, hey, we could actually scale the production if we applied more modern uh, synthetic biology techniques. Can we have in genetically engineered E. coli ferment sugar into ketone precursors? So skip all the chemical engineering and use synthetic biology to have a supply chain and a production facility.
0: It's nice as not from petroleum
1: either. Yeah. I mean, I, that's I, a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I think to me, it's like, it's a, uh, you know, end of the day, like to be food grade, it has to be clean. So I, am sure. not, but I, I understand from like an optics and a sound bite perspective. Yeah. yeah like, of course I don't want to, I want I rather have a fermentation process than like a petroleum product. Me too. hundred yeah. percent. So we brought the first, uh, exogenous like ketone ester to market back in 2017, uh, and supplied a bunch of Tour de France teams. And that's originally how I got to know and start meeting all these athletes and uh, military folks and really opened up like a very interesting journey into the human performance, athletics, uh, military veteran world where, yeah, me and at Stanford, I would never have thought that like I would be at Fort Bragg or Fort Benning talking to like tier one operators and just being like, whoa, like I get, I'm I'm on a military base seeing like helicopters land. Like I feel like I'm in a movie set. Like I was just like, used to be, you know, grinding all nighters, coding operating systems or or network switches, uh, in, in the Stanford dormitory. So, I mean, and, and to get back to your question, like what was like a tough experience? Um, there was a lot of challenges, in terms of the ip the partners to get something from darpa research land mm-hmm. which was honestly like forgotten on a and like a academic bench right like there was nothing going even though the early data was very very good um so you know as we had uh like really positive results with our research contracts with special operations command so we had a phase 1 study um Uh, I think the specific details are being published, but long story short, without getting into too many specifics, uh, operators on ketones versus on placebo at altitude, say 14,000 feet up, like Afghanistan mountain fighting ranges, you would retain memory recall as if Mm -hmm. you were on sea level versus control. So that kicked off a multimillion dollars uh, SOCOM research project and I think that, like, as we were scaling up and, you know, going through the whole government contracting and contracting vehicles and all that was very, I would say, like, stressful, especially at, at yeah. around that same time, like, COVID happened and a lot of things were delayed. This is um,
0: serious red tape as well. Yeah, no, um, it, anybody that's exactly. that knows the federal government, there's serious red tape.
1: And I think you're just signing a bunch of, like, very serious docs. you yeah. like, oh, yeah. like I'm doing like a business with the federal government department of defense so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there were some setbacks in terms of production timelines and like things going out of stock and we needed to like recut our entire supply chain so I think at, at one point I was like oh man like can we even fulfill this friggin contract that we just signed our company towards of supplying and doing research on these ketones and like hey our supply chain partners were were, were not up to snuff so I think part of that that was like a very f- formational moment because I feel like as a startup entrepreneur, oftentimes your ego is within your company or brand. Yeah. And I was very much that entrepreneur that like lived and breathed, like the brand, the company was me. And I felt like there was a chance where, and I and like my company could die if we could not fulfill like a multimillion dollar government contract. And I felt like, I, mm. I, I felt some sort of ego death in terms of, hey, like I got to see that, mortality of a business and myself in that business Um, which got me down like reading a lot of uh, both western and eastern philosophy. I think that's like a pet project of mine just like reading Marcus Aurelius' Stoicism and Mm. comparing that to Lao Tzu and Taoism. How how much
0: have you you gone into reading about the Tao?
1: That's what I was going to say. Like I feel like Lao Tzu, the Tao, like Taoism is very, very, I would say similar. Yeah. And it's like cool to see like these very very different cultures and mm-hmm. and civilizations had like a conver- like a convergent evolution towards very important themes around. Um, I mean, I think that like the Zen and, and and Tao is like almost how do you be like water? How do you flow with the universe around you? Like, don't I think before we start rolling, right? How do you? Not fight against gravity, but yeah. how do you have a gravity apply to you? Mm. Um, and I think stoicism is as often similar in the sense that, like, if you if something that you cannot control, like almost like let it free, and only apply yourself, and and, and like that is your purpose. So apply yourself where you, where you can actually be effective. So I feel like you know, reading from a Roman emperor perspective to like a Chinese court official perspective, and then just like being in kind of this weird twenty twenty Silicon Valley thing, and pulling what I think is relevant. I think it was like a very interesting like formational in terms of defining principles for myself and like how I an organization should be run, but hopefully you know, you know, through conversations like this, hopefully just give teasers to like what other people can borrow and and apply as well.
0: What was one of the craziest things that you saw that you can at least talk about, you know, on the military base or working with operators, obviously you don't have to name like the branch or names. You're not going to be like, Hey, Captain O'Rourke said, (laughs) but what's something that you saw when people started to at this extremely high level, which has now been vetted for the average person, you know, whether they're a busy parent or a pro, What's something you saw when people started to consume the ketones that you, it really ripped your hair back and you thought, wow, this is, this is going to help way more people than just special operators? Yeah, I think
1: it's a great question. I think on the endurance and performance side, I think that's cool, but the most impactful application has been around concussion and traumatic brain injury. So what is the mechanism of action there? So when you take a acute uh, contact uh, in, in the brain, Uh, glucose uptake shuts down because it's very inflammatory. So Mm -hmm. everything, the catecholamine release, like the brain kind of just shuts down and tries to like not inflame and not expand. Um, So oftentimes like the penumbra, like the surrounding damage of that acute damage, like everything else there is, is damaged, but starving for energy. So the mechanism is that ketones are metabolized in a completely separate pathway than glucose. So it crosses a blood-brain barrier very quickly. Um, A lot of rat studies actually done out of uh, UCLA and and UC Berkeley, you just drop like weights on rat brains. Uh, Rats on either ketones and or lactate, like another alternate substrate, recover brain energy much more rapidly. Why is that? Uh, So the the theory is that like glucose uptake is shunted down. Mm -hmm. So then like the damaged cells are just starving. So like the brain is protecting like a lot of inflammation by not letting glucose come in, but you're starving like the damaged but recoverable cells, neurons. Mm -hmm. But You have an alternate substrate that doesn't go through glucose pathway. It's not inflammatory It's actually inflammatory suppressing. Um, You just refuel and allow your cells, neurons to recover immediately versus waiting like three, four, five days until all the uh, inflammation uh, goes back down.
0: Yeah, to me, this is like the ultimate biohack. Uh, Honestly, like there's a few things that I take all the time. My mana with the Shilajit, the Ketone IQ, the red light therapy. I don't go balls to the wall. Some people take a stack of 50 different things. Yeah. I literally have my stack on the table right here. It's like five to six things yeah. maybe. And, and the reason I love this is because uh, to go back to what I said with coffee, like at about three o'clock, four o'clock, I find that my energy dips. And I think most people have an energy dip just because of circadian rhythm. And because of our sleep-wake cycles. So I wonder for people that have experienced TBI or for people that are struggling with any kind of a, a CNS stimulant addiction, whether it's coffee or anything else, even, um, even these can be addicting, you know, the nootropics, like people can get hooked on many things. Do you feel like there's a corollary there for supporting homeostasis? Because essentially people that have had TBI or people that have an addiction of any kind, they've pulled themselves out of center. Yep. They've pulled themselves out of homeostasis. So I wonder what what is it about the ketones specifically that bring people, TBI or addiction-based, to homeostasis?
1: Yeah, I think the idea that this is a macronutrient is an interesting one. So I think what's interesting about ketones separate from a lot of other s- micronutrients or supplements is that this is a calorie-containing substance. So, if you look at a nutrition label, there's fat, protein, carbohydrate. Those are only three things that have calorie content. Yeah. Right? Like, ethanol has has some calories and and some other things have calories. But the primary food substrates are fat, protein, carbohydrate. Right? Like, things like calcium. Right? Like, you need that as a micronutrient to, like, build bones. Or magnesium, enzymes for uh, dopamine release. Right? Mm -hmm, Like, there's mm -hmm. other things that support the enzymatic function of your body to metabolize. But- Fat, protein, carbs are the only thing that actually converts into ATP, right? Like ATP is the currency of the mitochondria that, pump, that pumps out. Something needs to feed the, the, the electron transport chain. Fat, protein, carbohydrates feed into that. So ketones are uh, like a basically a derivative of fat that, that, that you're not, your body naturally produces when it's in a starvation mode. But if you can have a drinkable ketone, you skip that conversion step. So you can have something that you directly consume that's not that gives you ATP, but it's not a protein, fat, carbohydrate. So to me, it's like you have instead of only like three colors, like red, green, blue, to like paint pictures. Yeah, you have like a fourth color that didn't really exist in conjunction because like normally in physiology, you don't really have a context where you have high glu- glucose and high ketones at the same time. So from an athletic context perspective, and that's where we're seeing a lot of the performance gains, you have carbs and ketones elevate at the same time, which doesn't happen normally. It's in not a
0: natural behavior of nature, Correct. right? The only time back in the day, you and I on the Serengeti, if we were fasted for three days because we were hunting, yep. then our body would produce endogenous ketones. So for people that are struggling with caffeine addiction, caffeine withdrawal, how exactly do ketones help them with that?
1: Uh, that's a really great question. I think I don't I would say I don't have that many vices, but caffeine is definitely one of them. Just travel and Liking that, you know, kick in the morning. Um, so ketones are an interesting adjunct for caffeine. One, it stacks really well with caffeine, but I think it also is very useful as a replacement. So caffeine is a denosine blocker. Adenosine is the neurotransmitter that triggers feeling tired. Ketones actually affect neurotransmitter in a very complementary way. So one, like I will oftentimes either reduce caffeine load and add ketones, and I've also experimented with like just cycling caffeine and ketones, and if I can be a little bit more uh, adventurous, nicotine, nicotine lozenges. I don't like vaping or smoking anything, but nicotine is also a very interesting uh, nootropic in some extent that has stimulatory effects, but doesn't uh, trigger the same pathways as either caffeine Mm, or mm. ketones. So when I think about cycling, it's like, hey, maybe you cycle caffeine, ketones, and maybe adventurous some nicotine lozenges as a way to not be overly uh, reliant on one specific source of uh, cognitive energy.
0: But I think what's really cool, and actually, I do want to talk about this PubMed study, ketones may be a fourth micronutrient that is necessary to the human body along with carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. That's fascinating to me. And I wonder, plugging that into this practical question, if we are only meant to naturally, physiologically produce endogenous ketones in a state of fast, then are there any negative feedback loops that are created? In other words, is there anything deleterious that happens to the system by inducing the exogenous ketones?
1: Yeah, I think that is like a very, I would say like a like like an important question that's asked by like the savvier folks in in in, in, in the space, right? Like exogenous ketones is not like there's not like complex carbohydrate that exists in like potato starch, okay? Yeah. Like that is like a food substrate. Like this is something that. We've had to, you know, have a lot of engineering and science figure out. Okay, how do we deliver a consumable ketone? My thought here is that um, the the actual end molecule is D-beta-hydroxybutyrate, the same exact molecule that your liver produces through ketogenesis. Um, so the body understands how to metabolize and understands its metabolic signal. Um, and then, two, in terms of all, you know, we sold, you know, like probably like millions of doses of this by now and wow congrats um, millions yeah no yeah. I, I think it's especially like grown really quickly over the last mm-hmm. um few months is that like i think like it's very well absorbed in a and uh like all the data on its like its consumption in 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 the metabolism is actually very very strong so like to me it's like I would love to have thirty-year longitudinal data on ketone IQ, just like I would love to have thirty-year longitudinal data, data on like eating beef or eating sugar or eating I don't know Gator whatever yeah. hydration drink, which yeah. does not exist. So to me, it's um, in terms of the baseline, in terms of how I understand the metabolism and me- mechanism of action, I feel very comfortable with the idea that hey, I'm having like a like a short like very understandable bolus of ketones that hits my system really, really quickly. And it metabolizes out and it's out of my system in six hours.
0: Yeah, th- this is why, and I'll, I'll bring this up and actually we'll put it on the screen right now, just the actual PubMed study so y'all can see this. So on the nutritional and therapeutic effects of ketone body um, hydroxybutyrate, yeah. why wouldn't somebody just consu- just to consume the, why wouldn't they choose to just get like a powdered form of the hydroxy? Why wouldn't they just take that yeah. Is there something special about the delivery package?
1: Great question. Because so, that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, why yeah, would no, I that, just that, go that, right that. to the thing? Exactly. Okay. So D-beta-hydroxybutyrate has to be bound to, it's, to be stable, it's bound to an acid form. Uh-huh. So it's D-beta-hydroxybutyric acid. It, like, it, it, it's missing like a proton. So like you can't, when you're in, in, in water, then it splits into like a proton and, and a butyrate. So a stable form that you can like actually store has to, is like in an acid form mm. or it's in a fat form, right? Like mm-hmm. again, you, you ask the question of if this is so great, how does it evolutionarily stored? Yeah. Why, isn't, why aren't we just carrying butyrate around? Well, it just is not stable. Like it's an, it's either in an acid form or it needs to be stored in a fatty acid form that, that goes through conversion. So to answer your question directly, like you can eat D-beta-hydroxybutyric acid, you're just drinking acid and I've done this and you're going to shit your pants. Like I literally like, <laughs> um, tried this. So okay. I, I, I've been through this experiment, like, and yeah. so, so
0: that's why that's a, that's a good, you can just stop right there. No, I mean, no, that, but I think it's like, interesting, right? Like, it is,
1: like it's like, like I think that's she, like, we, like that is like the right engineering question, right? Okay. Like I want to get the most direct efficient way to get this thing that I think is good into my system. Yeah okay what is wrong with butyrate or butyric acid well it's like hard to get enough ketones in a form that's palatable like this already tastes kind of funky but just imagine drinking like acid sure right yeah that does sound like, that tasty rough. and i think from a like a gi performance issue right like I, I think so many things that like kind of work in the clinic or the lab don't work in the field in it a downrange or in in like an athletic setting because you just are going to be throwing up or pooping your pants. If you had to
0: guess, and maybe you already know this with your computer science background, what percentage of human beings that consume the key to an IQ and are looking to get this cognition boost, the energy boost, the down regulation of ghrelin, like there's so many things that we could talk about all the benefits of this. Does it benefit 70% special ops and athletes, 30% everyday busy humans? Like what's the percentage split there?
1: Yeah, originally started quite high on the high-end side, just because it used to cost so much. Okay. So- 2,500 bucks a shot? And then we brought down to 30 bucks a shot, and now it's like sub five bucks a shot, which I think is not finally like kind of reasonable. That's great. love they bring it even like lower. Yeah. I mean, they'll- I think. To well, how many really,
0: people spend five bucks on a freaking sugar-based latte every
1: day? Exactly. It's within range now. It's definitely within range. I mean, t- but to me, it's like, I want this to be as cheap as possible. Mm. If this is a macronutrient that we think is like as useful as a protein carbohydrate, like that's why like I I don't even really care about competitors or brands or it's just like if this is really a macronutrient, like you can't have one thing own a uh, macro. For sure. I don't like, do, like There's does someone just own creatine or like, does anyone just own fat? <laughs> like I have the patent for fat F you, right? Like I'm no, sure no.
0: that Pfizer would love to own fat. <laughs> right.
1: So, yeah. so to me, it's like, um, I would love to be in a world where this is as available and as cheap as like table sugar. Okay. Um, or like protein powder. Mm, right. Just mm, like, mm-hmm. like I think this is actually useful for, I mean, I, th- I just look at the American healthcare costs. Like we're just, I think that a whole insurance health payer pay system is so messed up, beyond, and just like and it's just like, man, like we like people just got to be like baseline healthier. And I, I think when I just saw, and I think there's like I think you know folks like yourself are just getting and growing really quickly from an audience perspective because like you actually walk the walk. I feel like when people see doctors, who are like, hey. Do the you know? I, I just yeah. Like the, or they a pot. like
0: tobacco, or they have
1: this huge belly hanging over, and they're like, "Hey, do the, do this drug or do this vaccine?" But hey, I don't really exercise, I don't take up, you know, I don't do anything. It's yeah. like you're not even like you're not even like taking care of yourself in a way mm. that I think is like yeah. honorable, right? Yeah. I, I think there's so much focus on like, hey, I want to listen to people that actually walk the walk. Look, I get that, you know, you don't need to you can be really smart about like being an athlete or, or like a coach and you understand like basketball really well About being a basketball player. Sure. That's fine. Like, I get that. But I think if you have a choice, like I want the person that has lived experience as an athlete yeah, and has the coaching skills, right? Cause I see that there's a higher integrity and in conviction of your purpose, right? If you say one thing and do another thing, which I think that is the case. I mean, I'm sure we have a lot of doctor friends who are great. Mm-hmm. Um, they all know that the payer or incentive systems are like kind of messed up, and they know that like the mental health and the physical health of like doing eighteen-hour shifts is not optimal living course, and healthy living. So they already know that like the integrity of like the business of healthcare is not the ideal optimal way to live. Mm-hmm. So I think even from that foundational perspective, and I think that like incongruity trickles out where I think like alternate. I, I, I don't even want to use a term alternate. I think just like more authentic sources of information are just really compelling.
0: Yeah. We had Dr. Molly in the seat here a okay. few weeks yeah, ago. Molly, she's great. And we were talking about this. That's why she left Kaiser in the Bay Area. Because in the beginning of her career, she had spent all this money. She had spent all this effort and really bled for her profession. Yeah. You know, and by the way, like I'm I'm not against Western medicine. Like there's a time and a use case for all applications when people have emergencies or when people need that help. However, it has become a crutch that people lean on so they can outsource personal responsibility and taking matters of health into their own hands. And right. so it broke her heart, but she left. And the reason she left is exactly what you're talking about. Like there's only so many hours. We only have so much chi to give. Yeah. And and once that chi is exhausted, then when we start pushing harder on the gas pedal, and I've learned this personally myself. I'm sure you have too. There's ramifications. Like there's things that happen when you push really hard. If we could just use cleaner fuel, that could probably make us have better decisions. Yeah. So when we take in fuel that's not cookies and candy and donuts and sugar that give that kind of temporary pop of energy or even caffeine, then it really becomes this false profit of energy. We're looking for as a society, something that we can actually rise to the demand of kids' responsibilities, calendars. Like I don't know anybody, and I'm sure you don't, that has a life that's super chill with no responsibilities yeah. unless they like hit the lottery or they're independently wealthy, whatever. Yeah. Most people, 99.999% of people, they have dreams. They have things they want to accomplish. And I think I'm curious how you feel parenting, being a professional of any kind, but specifically parenting. I'm a, a parent of one with another on the way. Like that is an athletic sport, yeah. sleep deprivation, feeding, dealing with uh noise from crying. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this how do you think parents specifically can increase their performance as a parent with ketones compared to coffee or other CNS stimulants
1: yeah unfortunately i am not a question parent for me. <laughs> so i can't comment from personal experience but right. my co-founder and our ceo michael is a as a new father uh, that's right so that's right yeah. yeah i think he has like he has a lot more direct experience here but i think just like how baseline health practices improve any endeavor, I think like some of those principles apply from parenting. I think you know, depending on I don't know if your child is one of the like, the wilder ones that can't sleep, right? But like I think it sleep operations is like yeah. one of the uh, the tough ones. I mean, I think one of the things that we're actually looking at doing more research on is there's been a lot of anecdotal like aura ring data around increased HRV mm-hmm. while in mm-hmm. ketosis while being asleep. So can you extract the most efficiency out of sleep being in ketosis while you're, while you're resting? That's are That's really an cool. interesting little factoid that whether you're like an up and coming PhD student and wanna like a thesis idea, that would be interesting to, to look into.
0: Doing the cold plunge and cold thermogenesis is fast becoming the number one way to increase your health and metabolism, which directly leads to weight loss. Let's hear from Ryan Dewey, the CEO and co-founder of Plunge to learn more.
1: At this point, you've probably heard about cold plunging somewhere on the internet and wondering what all the hype is about. Well, here at Plunge, we like to take all the stress out of the problem by providing at-home cold plunge units that provide crystal clear cold water on demand, as opposed to lugging ice and getting that trough in place and dealing with dirty water. The plunge provides it always in there ready for you. Cold Plunge is one of the greatest ROI tools that's out there. Two to three minutes every single day and you get the increased dopamine levels, a more resilient immune system, a regulated nervous system, and ultimately just a more calm, peaceful outlook on life. We truly believe that when you take the plunge, you change your life. We'd love for you to check us out and see what the cold plunge
0: is all about. Save $150 off your brand new plunge, plus get free shipping right to your home by heading over to joshtrent.com forward slash plunge. Use the code wellnessforce. This is hands down my top daily biohack for longevity, inner peace, and mitochondrial health. Don't miss out on this special limited time deal. Head over to joshtrend.com forward slash plunge. Use the code wellnessforce. Save $150 off your brand new plunge and a super special deal of free shipping.
1: I think a lot of the recovery aspects. So I think, like, going back to your point, um, I think like the, the headline is performance enhancement of ketones. But mm. I think the deeper application is actually on the recovery side, right? We touched a little bit about TBI and concussion, but the and we talked we we talked a little bit about mTOR. So the data around, um, so mTOR is I would say like more popular in the, in the conversation because it's the muscle protein synthesis pathway, mm-hmm. and things like rapamycin inhibit mTOR. So people are like, oh, you don't want mTOR, you want to shut it down so you like you you live longer because you you produce less muscle. I think it's a, it's becoming a little bit more of a debatable, controversial point because you actually want to build muscle at the right time. You. So I think that, I think where I'm landing is that you want the spikes of mTOR at the right times at the right place, right? You don't want like perpetually high mTOR, just like mm-hmm. you don't want perpetually high stress yeah. or high cortisol, but you want spikes of cortisol or mTOR when you're actually doing a bout. you actually want to build muscle after you're doing an intense exercise. So the interesting thing with ketones is that ketones, so sugar and protein trigger mTOR aggressively, ketones do not. But in the context of post-exercise protein, carbohydrate ketones at the same time after a workout, mTOR synthesis is actually increased. So you recover better when you have ketones in the system in conjunction with protein and carbohydrate. And I think it actually makes sense from an evolutionary biology perspective because when one is naturally in ketosis, you're doing a lot of muscle sparing, right? Like you're fasting, you're still working out. You don't want to be burning protein as your primary fuel, you want to be burning uh, not functional tissue, you want to be burning sugar or fat. So when ketones in the system, it signals, hey, we need to be protein sparing and build and, and recover fast." That's amazing. So, so that's like a very yeah. interesting, like subtle point in, in in the mechanism that I don't think is well understood in the in, in the product discussion.
0: It's beautiful because we all know like your RMR increases the more lean muscle tissue you have. Yep. So you're literally going to be more efficient as a human being, the more muscle mass. And what most people don't realize, and I remember this with the actin and myosin tearing in the sarcomere, we actually get lactic acid which then signals the repair mechanisms. But if you're stressed out, if you're not sleeping, it's not going to repair. Exactly. And also if we're in nature and we're fasting because we're on a hunt, the body has this homeostasis where it's like, okay, I know that there is a threat right here. We're going to burn the muscle first. We're going to save the fat because the fat is the last line of defense. What do you make of that when you look at endogenous versus exogenous ketones, the muscle sparing, the fat burning? Can you explain that a little deeper because yeah. i've always had questions
1: about that yeah so endogenous is just simply you're eating a keto diet or you're fasting or you've worked out so hard that you burnt through your glycogen stores um
0: which from what i've heard it's about 30 to 45 minutes or so for the liver to empty yeah. of,
1: of hard hit training yeah i mean you got to go pretty really you got to go pretty hard yeah you got to go even hard. an hour yeah so. but like that's about the right range and i think and then you hear about people bonking out when they're doing like marathons or bike rides, right? Like you're, you're eating sugar, but at a certain point, you just can't. Your body does not digest the sugar quickly enough, mm. so you just bonk out, right? That's mm-hmm. like you, you, muscles like freak out. So the way I look at exogenous is that there's just like uh, again, I think it's like an additional quiver uh, arrow in that quiver in terms of like applying. Hey, like we want this specific signal happening at this specific time that not would not normally be uh, achievable by a diet so like to me and, and maybe this is like me having a little bit of like maturity like again when i i i really don't care about like the obviously I wanted the business to do well but like it would not affect my life really if i made like a Zero dollars, like a billion dollars, from ketones. Like Mm. I actually think that like having this as a macronutrient is really, really cool. Mm. And a part of why I think it's really cool is that I just want this to be like a tool to just instantly trigger up and down ketones and how it affects metabolism. Like to me, this is like a research metabolism tool to turn fasting on for you now, basically, or turn keto diet on for you now. Yeah. While having other paints and other substrates, so. I mean, I, I think like just like I would say that people are still figuring out carbohydrate protocols and like ice bath protocols, right? Like I think there was just like a, Andrew Huberman is talking a lot about ice bath and there's, he's just talking about, oh, do I do it before a workout, after a workout? I mean, this is just like cold, just being in a cold ice plunge, right? Yeah. Like, and I feel like it's it's kind of funny to me that like there's like literally like $10,000 friggin' machines for this where it's like, hey, just flip your, bathtub with like <laughs> right. five cents of water and buy a bag of ice and just jump in there. I don't know. Like that's
0: called bougie biohacking
1: when yeah, you spend 15, 20 K. I get it. Bath. It's nice. But I, I, part of me is like, come on. Like the point is not to sure, like sure. get Gucci'd out. That's just the human ego expanding into consciousness. Yeah, I think it feels performative to me at some point, but like, Hey, like, like just like how, but I think the point is, I think just how it's cold is interesting lever and yeah. we're still figuring out how to properly put it in a, in a person's protocol like before or after workout. I think ketones are in a similar trajectory where I think we have a very good understanding of how one would use this for combat sports, how one would use it for endurance and cycling, how one would use it for an operator-specific context. But we just need more people sure. messing with it out there.
0: What do you think most people get wrong about ketones?
1: Uh, I think one's probably like, hey, it's just a Kim Kardashian melt fat off my body? Um, so... No, this is a calorie-containing substance. Whenever you have something that contains calories, your body will burn the exogenous input versus using its own body fat stores. Uh, That said, it does have a ghrelin uh, effect, so it will suppress appetite. So I think maybe net long-term. That's why a lot of people like keto diet because Mm. it feels more satiating. That's from the ghrelin effect. Um, So I think that would be misconception one. Like, hey, do I drink this and I'll melt fat off my body? It's like we may be able to control appetite, but no, we're not like breaking the laws of thermodynamic deleting ca- like energy from your system. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be one, I think two, I mean, I, I think it's like one needs, I, I don't like to oversell or overhype because I think because it's a macronutrient, there's a lot of different applications for it. So it's like, hey, like it could be good for recovery. Hey, it could be good for brain function. Hey, it could be good for concussion. Hey, it could be interesting for some of these more therapeutic applications that, are, you know, that are neurological, right? Like we've heard of like type three diabetes, Alzheimer's, right? Like there's a lot of interesting research. Yeah. Can you, similar how TBIs hit, glucose uptake is inhibited in an Alzheimer's brain as well. Can you rescue some of that function with ketones instead? Um. So when you have like all of these interesting areas, it's like, yo, like what is this? Why does it do everything? But then what, but it's like, if it is actually like a fourth macro, it's like, why does sugar do everything? What does protein do everything? What does fat do everything? It's mm. like, well, these are just, like primitives for body fueling.
0: I got to introduce you to Dr. Dan Engel. He used to have a center here called Kuya. But I don't okay. know if you've heard of him before. He's a, a TBI specialist, world famous. Been been um, out at the QA a couple
1: of times. It's great. Like the yeah. Sauna. It's yeah, cool. It's I,
0: I yeah. think he left the company, but but he's phenomenal because he works with so many people, special operators, athletes, and everyday people that have had these TBI cases that literally can never ever be healed. They go to him. Yep. He's like, he's like the guy. Yep. And I wonder if he could learn about the science of this. And maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. I think that's really uh, something I'd love to chat with you about is this, this concept of synergy stacking. So you have like one thing, whether it's an external locus of control or an internal locus of control, like the exogenous or endogenous ketones that actually helps when you complement it with another therapy. So I think about like the EEG monitoring and doing the neurofeedback for TBI and also stacking ketones. Like what other, are there other things that you can stack ketones with that are, that'll be in harmony and synergy. That'll amplify both results.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good question. Maybe I'll just put it out there. I've somebody type not, it in on YouTube right now. Just no, type it in the comments. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I have not tried this, but I would. I want people that are experienced with this to try this. So I've heard very interesting combination synergy with ayahuasca plant medicine with ketones. Okay, now you just drop the mic because <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. So.
0: Ayahuasca and ketones. So I have not
1: never before tried this personally but I'm very open-minded to it. Um, But my understanding is that oftentimes for a lot of these ceremonies there is some sort of fasting and purging and like a very clean diet. Yeah. And you're not really able to hold down food. Mm -hmm. So in some sense you're essentially getting the ketogenic state while you are on this you know multi-day ceremony. Yeah. So this particular person um, was like a squirrel suit jumper like, like it was connected like he's like one of like the most extreme sport athletes I had a conversation with him a few years ago he was based in San Francisco at the time I actually lost track of him I, would, I know like, but long story short I think the death rate of that sport is like freaking high like he was telling me that like he's literally had like friends die on jumps with him it's like, like a- it just like like a lot of adrenaline junkies a lot of like former it's cool to military watch though. guys are doing that and the death rate is very high it's like a very high trauma community so he's like just super deep into like doing all this all the adventure stuff, but also uh, deep with experimenting with all the plant medicine, ketones and all that stuff. So he was saying that he was, like there was, he felt really, really good with ketones on top of his ayahuasca plant ceremony. And like to me, it's like, hey, you are having a very efficient brain fuel as I'm sure like when, when you're, you know, in a plant ceremony, you're like, all these neurons are firing and you need energy you need substrate to fuel all that neurotransmitter release. Huh. Or do ketones ha- are a very efficient fuel to power a lot of those synapse firing? I think it's like an interesting question. So I, I have not tried this, but like some of the protocols around it. Around,
0: yeah, that's it, interesting. It makes sense. It does make sense. One thing, I mean, I'm sure if you talk to the purist, they'd be like, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, but But I think what's really cool about technology, because essentially this is a technology, and so are the hieroglyphics, by the way. Everything is a technology. Information is technology. So this technology is really cool because if this is really going to be known in the North American content and beyond as the fourth macro, then we've really got to change the conversation about what else does this stack with and what is the function of why we're stacking this or why we're taking this in the first place. Like We all know that protein adds more satiety. Right, and it has a slower burn. We all know that carbohydrates, especially the the simple sugars, they spike people's GI. They crash it. There are certain things about the different macros that that are just widely known. Yeah. What is something about ketones? And I want to go back to the synergy piece because you just rocked my world with the ayahuasca and the ketones. I've never heard that yeah. before. So we'll go back to that. But but what is it special? What is, what is the special thing about ketones when it comes to it truly having the virtues? and the efficacy of being a fourth macro?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, basically, in in some sense, we're always stacking with protein, fat, carbohydrates. So every single food is just some sort of combination, permutation, combination of fat, protein, carbohydrate in various forms and various densities, right? Like complex carbs, complex fatty acid chains, simple, like, shorter chain fatty acids, right? The amino acids or the more complex proteins. So we're already stacking. Um, So... Specific attributes. Um, insulin is required to uptake sugar, right? Like you literally need this hormone created by the pancreas to allow your uh, cells to shuttle in glucose, sugar.
0: It's a miracle how the body
1: works. It's so cool. Yeah, I mean just- It's, it's incredible. a crazy machine, man. Yeah. Um, so, so like that is an important attribute. So fats uh, don't require insulin to work but they're like really, really big, like complex chains. So it takes more energy and time to like cleave off uh, the, the carbon link ch- uh, chains um, to turn into ATP. Protein, we've heard of gluconeogenesis. So it is a process of take protein and fatty uh, amino acids to convert it into sugar then, which is metabolized in the sugar pathway. But usually protein is not considered uh, as a metabolic substrate because it just, you, you want to be using that protein amino acid for muscle building, not for metabolic processing. Mm-hmm. So protein is usually just like put aside, like, hey, you want to be burning fat or, or carbohydrate. Uh, protein, because it converts into sugar, has like a slight insulin impacting effect. So I think in, in, if you look at the sh- attributes, you have fat, slow burning, um, a, a slow process to, it's called beta oxidation to cleave off the two carbon, Two carbon linked blocks to turn into ATP, uh, sugar, and then by by gluconeogenesis protein. uh, Faster acting, but requires insulin. And then the modern dietary context, like everyone's pre-diabetic and or over like obese or overweight, right? You follow the trend line. Everyone's going to be obese in this country. Um, There's just like too much insulin happening, being dumped in our system. Mm. So ketones are interesting because. It does not require insulin action to get into into the system but it works much more quickly than fat so like just the paint like really broad attribute forms descriptors um this is like you get some of the best qualities of sugar and the best qualities of fat in this specific form
0: Mm. and without the natural energy demanding process of it going through the pathway, the substrate going through the pathway for the body to receive the energy. Yeah. So it's essentially a shortcut, is what
1: I'm hearing from you in some way. Yeah. So like I think in in some sense we've all heard of like bulletproof coffee, MCT oil. So the whole th- mechanism of why those got popular is that those are types of fatty acids that convert into ketones more efficiently. Uh huh. So they're just like like coconut oil. It's like it's a it's a C8 a caprylic acid is like the eight carbon length fatty acid in MCT oil coffee, bulletproof coffee. And the reason that is popular is because it is, so beta-hydroxybutyrate is four carbon, it is faster, simpler to convert into the D-beta-hydroxybutyrate. So you could like eat omega-3, these are like 26 carbon-length things, like omega-3, omega-6, these are like 20 plus carbon-length chains. So it takes more effort to cleave off in beta-oxidation all these extra carbon lengths to turn into ketones. Mm so the whole buzz around mct bulletproof coffee was hey like it's a more efficient form of fat to convert into ketones but with this form of ketones ketone iq you just basically skip all of that fat processing
0: yeah people forget there's a thermic effect of food there's an energy cost to digest food yeah so if somebody's already struggling with energy and even if they're eating let's say organic clean foods there could be still a learning curve as to what foods produce energy for them and what foods take energy. I mean, I've definitely dealt with that, whether it's like Mediterranean diet or keto or carnivore, like there's a freaking spectrum for people to eat. And and I guess you could say, be their own scientist to figure out what works for them. Who is this not for though? Is there somebody that that maybe should not be drinking ketones?
1: Um, I think if one is type one diabetic and is worried about ketoacidosis, which is in specific in a type one diabetic, which is this different from a type two. For type ones, uh, the pancreas no longer generates insulin. Mm-hmm. So there's no feedback mechanism to control ketone release. So in some ways, ketoacidosis happens when uh, your body needs fuel, it produces ketones, but there's no one to stop. So like ketones are protective, but like it just, there's no stopping mechanism anymore. So you just produce a lot of ketones. Okay. So when you're, you don't, you want you want to like avoid being in the acidosis state, like probably don't need to drink more ketones to put on top. Mm. But that said, um, a lot of like type one diabetic athletes are using ketones to fuel because and I think type 1 diabetics are oftentimes like the most hardcore biohackers because they were a, they, they were the be. original users of the continuous glucose monitors. Yeah, That was designed for type 1s because they needed to control their blood sugar in a very tight range. So I was playing around with this stuff in like 2015, was an early investor and in, you might have seen Levels, one of the sure. leading. Um, yeah, we had Josh on the show. Yeah, 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 yeah uh-huh. good friends. Um, yeah, I was lucky to it's be great a, tech. A, a, a small investor there. But yeah, I, I was playing around with this stuff and realized that like the type ones just knew their metabolism very very well because it's life or death for them. Yes. And I remember like early times, I was getting a lot of hate for being like, oh, "Why are you, you know, f- playing around with medical devices?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm just trying to understand my body too." Like I, this is like a this is a data output. Of Who'd you my-. get hate from? I remember we got some like because we were like this is like 2015 okay. or 2016, right? Like this is like very early in the, like the biohacking phase before like levels existed, and I think type ones got offended that like i was healthy and using like a medical device oh yeah and like this stuff is not cheap but like i was kind of just you know i think the best argument is that like hey i was like taking it away from people that needed it for life or death Mm. which yeah i would i would give away my my glucose monitors for that case but like i don't think that was the case right like these are like mass produced by abbott there's a big business around these CGMs and now they're being consumerized, right? So everything now.
0: Everything goes goes through waves of consciousness. Like no one knew what a CGM was five to seven years ago. No one knew. And now every fitness influencer, maybe because of levels and nutrisense, you know, they're they're wearing them. And I actually celebrate it. I think it's amazing. Like, why do we need to hide education or hide tools from people when they're just trying to figure it out? In other words, does everybody have to be a fucking black belt? To teach. No, you can be a purple belt. You can be an orange belt to teach white belts. Like most of us, Jeff, are white belts. Most of us in the world, we're figuring out how to live well, how to be a parent, how to be a businessman or businesswoman. Like, so many of us just need to be shown by someone else's, I guess you could say, courage to just try it publicly, yeah. to, to truly be the N equals one. Speaking of publicly, you guys were on Shark Tank. I don't know if Michael went on or you went on. Did you both go on? Yeah, we were both on. Okay. So in the public spotlight, like you were probably the first ketone company that went on Shark Tank, I assume.
1: But at the time we were not even in ketones yet. We, we came. Oh, you went with the nootropics. We went with our Cubes, our chewable coffee product. Okay. So it was like so. You didn't even talk about ketones on Shark Tank. I mean, I mean, like it was like a ninety-minute taping, but like I think Shark Tank like clips you for six minutes to like get the spiciest points and make a little viral clip out of it. So
0: is that real? Are they actually? Is that a real thing where they're actually thinking about if they want to invest with you or not? Is that truly real?
1: Uh, I mean, I think it's like public enough. I think it sounds like I think just behind the veil like i think half the deals never consummate because it's okay. like it doesn't you know, work just out for tv yeah i mean if i had if i could do squatty again, potty did well yeah look i think it's like you get like millions of eyeballs for free essentially to be on national tv with one of the most popular tv shows i think any company any founder should do it for sure it's like yeah get that rep in i think it's like tv if i could get to do it again i would just like win a deal so you want to look like a winner on america I get a deal. I did a deal with, you know, Mr. Wonderful or Mark Cuban. Yay. And then whatever. The business deal is the business deal afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because I think that like everyone knows it's like a show. I I think it's entertainment first. Oh, yeah. Like there does not one is not going there as a serious venture capitalist. Okay. It's a show first. But look, I think it's a great platform. I think it's educated a lot of people around like the foundations of business formation and capital markets well the reason i
0: was bringing it up is because you guys put your balls out there you know you really went for it yeah. publicly and you probably had to deal with some flack of people how do you deal with that just as a ceo as a man being a creator putting yourself out there on a freaking regular basis all the podcasts like how have you developed the emotional grit and the emotional intelligence to not take things personally and to roll with the punches especially with the department of defense and everything you've been through like this road ain't easy
1: yeah. to create what you're creating. How do you do that? I think what I realized is that most of the time no one gives a fuck. So if anyone actually gives a shit that you're doing something, like you're in the rare 1% already. Right? Like, I, I, like I'm like i sure like in the very beginning, like just no one fucking cared. It's crickets. Right? It was crickets for like five years for us. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's very common for everyone and that no one talks about. Like just yeah. no one fucking cares about anyone's shit right like i'm thinking about myself <laughs> you're thinking about it, right so like to me it's like we are in such a luxury land if you're like yeah. oh I, I, people are hating on me like hey someone actually friggin wasted their life like looking at our shit um, yeah. yeah so to me it's like one get to a point that people actually even are spending time and emotional energy on you mm-hmm. hey you're winning like they're thinking about you and you have no idea who they are um and then stage two is I think as I've gotten a little bit more maturity, I think that's why you 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 choose your battles and principles that you're willing to die for. Like I'm okay to get shit on if I actually believe my principles. Like I'll have that debate. But if mm. I am in a weird spot where like, I don't super like wanna be on that territory, now I'm like defending it and I, I can't stand for it. I, I think we've all, I've been in that spot. And I'm like, oh man, like I don't wanna be like defending this point that I actually don't really care about. Cause I'm like, I I don't want to like fall on that sword. Yeah. So in some sense I've made my life simple where it's like, just actually be willing to stand and fight for whatever you say. And then like, if people want to debate, let's go debate, like sharpen my sword, right? Like if you actually have a better point than me, I'll learn. I'm (laughs) open-minded to that. So in, in some sense I made it just super simple. Like no one actually cares if people actually start caring and yeah. actually just defend and stand on principles they actually believe in and willing to argue for. Yeah. And then be open-minded to change and evolve.
0: Man, it's is you're so right on. I would say what holds 99% of people back from creating anything or from facing their fear edge, right? Like leaning into the blade is this phrase. What will people think? What will people think if I do my thing, if I have my gift, if I speak my truth, whatever it is, and honestly, as you so eloquently put, no one fucking cares. They just don't. They're so entrapped in their own life and their responsibilities and the things that they're doing. Um, I wonder what that is about psychology. And we, we, I can't let you go without talking about psychology and brain health. I mean, this is a huge part of it all. Um, A lot of the things that people do for brain health, whether it's like wearing devices on their head or taking nootropics or even doing like rapid eye movement testing and, you know, the neurofeedback. And there's so many freaking tools out there that people are trying to get the edge of cognition or even repair, you know, like for the the TBI. I, I wonder out of all the research and all the case studies and everything that you guys have seen so far, what is something that truly inspires
1: you about
0: how ketones
1: make the brain optimized. Yeah. I think even just zeroth order beyond like a substrate like ketones, I think what I've realized that like we all need missions. And I think especially in the veteran community, um, when people are transitioning, especially from high performing units, they lose their identity, they lose their mission set. And I think a lot of America, like a lot of my friends, I'm sure a lot of people just are lost. They don't really know who they are, what they Mm. stand for. So to me, I think like nutrition, sleep, devices, ketones, in some sense are like second order to actually understanding values and principles that you believe in, would fight for, would die for. And then like, what is your identity and mission set? And I think that when you come from like a special operations veteran community, it's like, hey, that is like, you're the tip of the spear. You're like, you're the baddest fucking dude in the world. And then you're like, hey, you're just a friggin' normal civilian. No one fucking cares. like. I think that you're at Home beret, Depot buying
0: a fridge on a Tuesday or something. Yeah, right? I mean, I
1: had like get like you know our institutional lead who was served 20 years in the army. He literally, you know, 15 years in special operations as a Green Beret. He literally was like, hey, before joining HVMN, I thought I was going to be a truck driver. Like, I didn't fucking know what to do. Huh. I and, but I, and, but I, I think because like I don't I don't think there's like a pathway because I think for a lot of military vets, especially in the high performing end. Like that is your career. Like, not, you're no longer an asset. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe you're like, you're trash to some extent. I think that's yeah. what, why there's so much, like, I think mental health issues in that community. And I think there's a, been a, a lot of work done being saying, hey, like, that is just like one aspect of one's life. Just like all of us have different chapters in our lives. I think the military veteran use case is a very, like, specific, very, like, big community because, like, the GY it was such a 20-year war like impact so many of us or so many americans Mm. um that i think it's like a very good case study but i think all of us have this identity struggle right like even for me i was like a good math science competition competitor in high school and then i did computer science at stanford then i became like a young entrepreneur in silicon valley and now you know got into human performance space now a venture capitalist and and now like not so young entrepreneur in, in in you know building different businesses and investing in businesses um so like i remember each transition point i, I was like yo who what what what, what am i like wh- what what i wake up or what i think about and i think mm. a lot of us don't think enough about that purpose we're just trading life or time for money to like live on the weekends yeah so and i think that's and I get it, like, not everyone, like, we need to pay the bills to take care of ourselves and our families. I get yeah, it. Sure. Um, but I think it's, like, how do we shift more and more of that value creation to be more aligned with, like, intellectual interest areas? So, to me, it's, like, getting those, like, foundational things that, like, don't require any money. It's just, like, hey, you got to just, like, sit by yourself and think. Yeah. I don't think people think enough, actually, anymore like we're mm-hmm. always like i i know i'm just also very bad at it and i'm like I'm, I'm like conscious about it like just from bored i'm just like looking at the phone like just scrolling an infinite scroll mm-hmm. and i think some of the best formational times is like okay like i don't whether it's like burning man like just like i i think that's a bad example cuz there's way too much shit going on also at burning man but like just actually being bored for a long enough period of time where you can actually think and i think like a lot of therapy honestly just like you're just dumping to some other human. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a, a useful way to just like get yourself to think and you block out time to do it. But I, I think the core point is none of us, like I think too few of us actually think about our values and principles and what we are willing to fight and, 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 and I think die for is a very extreme term. But essentially like, you're always all dying. Of so course. in some sense, you are dying for something. Yeah. Are you dying for like your, I don't know, whatever, office depot job? That's right. But Because you are dying literally dying for it. Yeah. So like, what are you willing to die for? Again, it doesn't have to be super romantic to like die for your country and all that stuff, but we're always dying.
0: That's a great point because, you know, someone might hear you say that and they would say, well, Jeff, you're this successful CEO in Silicon Valley and, you know, in Stanford and all these accolades, but that was your chosen path and you had to sacrifice for that. So you did have to bleed for that in many different ways. And the people that that work in the cubicles, and by the way, I'm not shitting on people that work in cubicles. Like you can, we can work in a cubicle. You can work for someone else. I'm sure you have a lot of people that work for you on your team that are stoked on what they're doing, yeah. and they're choosing to have their entropy uh, exhausted in that way. You know, that's that's what they've committed to. But many people, like you said, they, they don't take the inventory because it's freaking scary. And because they're laden with the financial responsibilities that are sucking their energy dry. And by the way, I will say that usually if their energy is sucked dry, it's because they're partying on the weekends, they're drinking, they're doing all these super unhealthy things where they, quote, think they're saving money or they think they're applying this temporary solve to their life. But actually, if they were to just wipe the fucking slate clean, and clear out the hundreds of dollars every single month that they're unconsciously spending. And I did this in my early twenties, unconsciously spending money on alcohol and partying and all these things that kind of fill the well of our soul temporarily and just invest in something that's like the same price as a cup of coffee. It's a no brainer to me, but of course I'm 42 years old. So like I can look back with wisdom. So I'm definitely here to share with y'all. If you've been thinking about doing something that's healthy for you instead of having this entropy, having your life force energy burned for someone else's dream and then trying to solve it by all this shit that makes you sick anyways, you may as well take a different look. Yeah. That's what we're here talking
1: about today. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that like that point, I think is just very salient to me because around you only can do it with the wisdom of making those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that is like the razor's edge that I've been like realizing, which is that I feel like for so many of us, we live a lifetime full of battle scars only to become wise and then run out of energy and die. Like we we learn all these lessons, but never have the time and energy to actually apply those lessons. It Takes like sixty years to like fuck up all those times to mm. be like, oh, I'm wise now. I can actually like live a great life. And that's why I think reading like Lindy philosophy or just like having conversations. This is like I mean, we just covered it like a wide gamut of, of con, like you're you're clearly very curious and like introspective to just like cover this much ground, right? Yeah, and I think. Yeah. I think these long-form conversations are helpful for people because you can't make all the mistakes in your own lifetime. Like I want to find that line where I can like learn from everyone else's mistakes, steal borrow their best ideas. That's right. Not eat that pain myself. You don't have to eat some pain, but like learn that fast enough where you have enough energy runway life to actually do something with it. Like that that is something that I think about a lot. Like, and I think. In your turn to twenties, you're just like, ah, oh, I got infinite time. No, I'm in my thirties now. I'm like, okay, like I feel good, but I think we all, like there's enough. I mean, I think in your thirties, you have some friends who've died. Sure. That you grew up with. How old are you? 34. 34? Right? Like mm-hmm. like life fucking sucks. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you just freaking die in your late twenties, early thirties, right? Like you see your parents, like you see them in the, in the for the very first time, like being old. Yeah like frail like hey there's not infinite time yeah so i think that's like that wake up call when i which i felt like i i guess somewhat cognizant to be like hey time is fleeting um we all have that same 24 hours a day what are we going to do to apply it
0: yeah i know you don't say that you're a religious guy but you've got some depth of spirit like you you definitely have through your philosophical studies and through going through what sounded like some dark nights with the growth of the company and the and the department of defense I don't feel like we we have to always go through 60 years of wounds. Like you said, we can shorten the learning curve of wisdom. That's this whole podcast. The wellness and wisdom podcast was birthed from my own pain, from me wanting to have better results, a life well lived, and not having to go through all the mistakes of my parents yeah, and all the mistakes of everybody else. Like wisdom is always borrowed. I don't care if it's from the ancient East or here in modernity, in the West Coast, or in Austin, like we're all borrowing wisdom from each other at all times. But the key factor, and I wonder how you feel about this, the key factor is like, just because I get wisdom, just because I get information, unless I actually embody it, unless I use that and I actually put that into an integrated form in my life, then really I'm just kind of mentally masturbating. And this Race. is what a lot of people Race. do on podcasts. They just go to the different, I have people that, that write in, they're like, you're, you're in my top 20 podcasts. I'm like, you listen to 20 podcasts? <laughs> how do you have time for that? You know? So, so what is your take on this? Like as we, as we round out this conversation, like, you know, cause we have covered a lot of spaces um, in your own life. And for all of us that are on this path of wisdom and of wellness, how has it helped you the most to have a certain lens where you take in information and how do you embody that information in your life so you can actually be wise, truly wise?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I I think like you mentioned like novelty seeking or curiosity seeking. I think that's just something that I've either was born with or have fostered. I think that I just gravitate towards uh, biographies or holy books or spiritual books. I, I like- I treat them as less so direct words from a deity as more mm. as more so hey, this is a pattern that has seen like product market fit with billions of people right whether that's a you know the the Bible or the Quran or Taoism or Zen Cohen Buddhism right like to me it's like these things have lasted you know some for you know five thousand years six thousand years right Christianity you know two thousand some years right yeah. these are more foundational than that's 10 times older than America, right? Like America, we think of as like this like entity that's been around that, you know, our grandparents, great grandparents grew up through. Now this is like a spot. That's like an experiment that, you know, with all the banking crisis and all this stuff, I don't know, like fuck, like America's in a weird spot right now. Sure. So I'm, I gravitate towards lessons and ideas that have like stood the test of time in a lot of ways. So then I, I, Again, it's less so of like, hey, I'm looking for a spiritual guide. More like, hey, these are product market fit proven uh, concepts that I want to just get as much of it in my head as possible. Like I want all the frameworks, all the templates. Like, I don't care if it's who or whose template. Like I want all of them. What do you think is something that has stood the test of time? Well, I think religions, I think going back to spirituality is like, in terms of ideas, have stood the test of time to the the extent that any human artifact has stood the test of time. Like no country has existed for that long. Right, America is 250 years old. Mm -hmm. There's so many just different dynasties and conquerings of Roman Empire, like a bunch of, you know, uh, like Anglo-Saxons at that turned to England. And then, you know, right, like there was no France. There's no Germany There were just like, (laughs) you know, different, you know, Prussian tribes killing, you know, battling each other. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these, like, things that we see as, like, institutional things are actually just, like, few generations old, actually. So in some sense, like, I think that's where religion tries to answer, like, the deepest questions, like, why are we here, who we are? And I think there's a lot of, like, mythology creation stories. I think, again, to me, it's, like, I care less about the literal, I don't know if I believe in, you know, again, someone making something in seven days or like a flood and people can like do some magic. Like, mm-hmm. I don't take that literally. Like, I don't think like that's, I, I some people do, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to get the al- allegorical or like the purpose of why those messages have had resonance. Um, but I think in terms of like a little bit more grounded stuff, I think. When people are like going s- like pure plant based versus like hey being like animal protein based, right? Like, I'm just trying to look at like what made humans humans from like Neanderthals, and it was like fire and eating meat, yeah, right. And just like okay, sure. we're gonna now we're gonna get go, so advanced that we're gonna make make like pea protein. Oh my god, and rice when, when into s- like something healthy
0: when soy lent came out that <laughs> squeeze drink, <laughs> yeah. I literally was like, who is buying this? Who the well, hell is Silicon
1: Valley? Because we're buying it. Why
0: do they not know about the goitrogenic effects of soy? Like who 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 are these people that just do this? Anyways, <laughs> I I have loved this conversation. We covered some ground that I never assumed. This is why I love podcasting, yeah. man. I never assumed that we would cover this ground. And one thing that you said that that has stood the test of time, whether it was religion or behaviors with eating, it's thought form. Thought form has has stood the test of time. When somebody has a pure heart. And they have a pure intention, like a loving intention, and they blast their thought form from that space out into the world. That stands the test of time. That always, that always stands. Love, the reason why Michael Pollan talks about platitudes so much, I saw him once here in Austin at a church. He said, platitudes are literally the most powerful wisdom that hides in plain sight. Like the fact that love is all there is, or when you work hard and when you have a pure intention, good things will happen. But I think in our world because things are changing so fast and especially your experience in Silicon Valley, I wonder how you'd answer this. To live life well, I believe takes a foundation of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual and financial nourishment. That's the pentagon that we teach in our breathe program. It's it's in all of our it's in all of our media. In the center of that there's you. There's there's you, Jeff, that makes the decisions that that garners the wisdom. Life is so complex. There's so many there's so many things that come into the center of that pentagon. How do you operate in that center? How do you live your life? Well, what's your definition of wellness,
1: man? These are like super philosophical questions. Um, I mean, I, I, I literally think about like, like that, I, that is like a phrase I think about a lot. Like what is a life well lived? Like that yeah. is like a goal, like an objective function That's that we're all trying to optimize podcast. for. Um, I think where I've landed on that journey and I think it's something that I I think we should constantly be revising is that um, finding like a few core missions that we're willing to fight and die for and build it with great people. I I think a lot of people are very lonely and very in solitude and I think building with great people, compounding over time, building that trust over time, has created some of like the most fun adventures and experiences that I wouldn't have thought, right? Like going back to like this formation of, you know, buying Russian Alzheimer's drugs on <laughs> on like Alibaba or whatever, like a Chinese chemical factory to yeah, having this conversation here. Mm. like, like Again, like to me, it's like that mission around improving myself went from like, hey, I wanted to be a better competitor in a Silicon Valley economic battle to like, hey, I think, we're creating a fourth macronutrient and like a lot of the applications could be very, very useful. And, and I think from that being less like, hey, dollar oriented to, hey, let's fight and create awesome things that have a great mission behind with great people. And like the economic financial engine uh, is like essentially a side effect of that. I think mm-hmm. I truly mm-hmm. think that that is how you actually win the financial game. Like if you're just doing it for the money, someone will do it for free. But if you do it for free, do it for fun, you can't compete with that. Right? Like, that's why I think the best athletes, the best, like, they would, they're down to just shoot friggin' 1,000 more free throws than you. Cause, like, whether it's fun or like or brainwashed and doing it, they're just doing way more reps. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, what, it, it maybe like a more salient way, like, what pain are you willing to absorb in your life? Is maybe like another way to ask that question. Is that pain? Is it like broken dreams, solitude, loneliness? Is that the fight that you want to fight, or is it you know something in human performance, something in content, something in mm-hmm. business? Mm-hmm. I want to make AI real. Um, which battle do you want to choose? So I think in some sense, like you got to be thoughtful on which battle you're gonna choose because in society will give you a battle. It might be just working Office Depot. Is that that's your battle.
0: Mm-hmm. Profound, dude. Really enjoyed the pod. Uh, I I sense from you that maybe if you look back and I don't know if you've ever done 23 and me, but in your lineage, there may have been a warrior archetype at some point (laughs) there was on my side. I mean, my grandfather was the one of the first, if not the first, I'm still trying to get the research clear on this Italian American generals in the Marine Corps in in the early 1930s, uh, early 1940s, late 1930s. So there, have you ever studied that?
1: (sighs) I took my 23 and me, but I don't know if it got so detailed to see if there was some, you know. I guess it would be genealogy, wouldn't yeah. be 23 and me. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, you do you feel like in your lineage, there was some kind of warrior archetype, if you had to guess? Or are I mean, you more the peacemaker?
1: Look, I think in some sense, like, all our ancestors probably killed each other. No doubt. or We were enslaved and everyone, like. We all come was, from warriors just, in some way. In some way, right? Like, yeah. we survived, like, generations of conflict.
0: Well, the reason I ask that is because you mentioned a few times on the podcast, what are you willing to bleed for? You know, what are you willing to die for? And that language is is, is the language of a warrior, right? Except for, as Tim Ferriss said, now money is the tip of the spear, right? In our modern world, money is the tip of the spear. You and I in a tribe a long time ago, we were judged by our women and by our tribe, by how much animal flesh we drew back. Now we're judged by how much finance we bring in because that is the spear. The tip of the spear is money. So it's an interesting sure. world, it's an interesting world we live in, where some people that, were, that had warrior characteristics in the past, those don't apply to now. It, I it's think a different a, type of a, that's warrior. A, that's a good
1: analogy, because I think that the warlord game is over. Like I think if you put Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan into this modern world- They're done. I mean, they're not gonna be rounding up like yeah. soldiers and like taking over like countries. Yeah. So like I think that the manifestation of that energy would be in business sure right like it's a more clearer foundational rules yeah so in in some sense like i don't know i feel like i guess like i just draw i don't know if like warrior i I mean i think i you know i'm thinking of like you know just watching some clips from last summer i think that's like a cool image but i think i think of really like the archetype for me is like resiliency i think Uh that all of our ancestors have gone through way fucking harder shit than uh, uh, like us like just hearing stories from my grandfather surviving World War II and Japanese invasion of China and just like all this stuff. And I'm sure all of our grandparents who like oh, yeah. lived through and or fought and bled during World War II actual real global conflict. Everyone, like full total war. It's not just like, hey, 3% of us are out in Afghanistan or Iraq. Yeah, um, I think I get a lot of the imagery and the language from just realizing how easy the game is Compared to like what our ancestors actually had to live through. So to me, it's like almost a disservice to how much struggle that they've had to get to to live through and to survive and to, procreate and you know let me have this like sense of consciousness for you know hopefully a few more decades
0: man i'm right there completely aligned with what you said i have said what you just said in many different words many different times on this show with many different guests so i'm right there with you it would be a disservice it would be disrespectful for us not to optimize Not to come from scarcity, but to come from abundance, true abundance in this world, because of the sacrifice, the blood, the sweat, the tears that our ancestors have gone through. It would literally be a spit and a slap in their face for us to just be like resting and not trying to be the best version of ourselves. Not from a place of of freneticism or scarcity, but from a place of like true honor that we're here. I'm grateful. How cool is it that we get to do what we do, that you get to play around in the world with the people that you get to play around with? That fuel of gratitude and that fuel of honor is really the best way to end this podcast, man. So thank you for coming on the show. You
1: know, I, this is a fun conversation. This is dope. It was
0: really fun. And also, thank you for the hookup. You know, I know it's not cheap to create what you create. So you guys, go to joshrent.com forward slash HVMN. Use the code Josh. 20% off your order, which is incredible. It's already less than a cup of coffee. So just, that's the link on the screen. Also, we're talking about this in the community, joshtrent.com forward slash community. Jeff, thank you again for being here, man, from my heart to yours. Until we see you again, we're both wishing you love and wellness. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for being with us on the wellness and wisdom podcast. Every link resource and wellness good you heard today can be found at your show notes page. Roll over to joshtrent.com forward slash podcast. And you just got an exceptional gift of wellness and wisdom. Don't let it go to waste. Don't be one of those people who hears a podcast, smiles, gets entertained, but puts down their phone and doesn't embody it, doesn't use it. You can choose something different today, and I know you feel this, to start a new journey. Head over to joshtrent.com forward slash m21 and get three free weeks of coaching from me to you directly in your inbox. Get your free Morning 21 Wellness Guide, including your breathwork practice and guided journey from my heart to yours based on 20 years of my own experience. That's joshtrent.com forward slash M21. And if you're ready to dive deeper right now, join us in the wellness and wisdom community by enrolling in our Breathe Breath and Wellness program over at breathwork.io. At breathwork.io, this is a three-week journey where you're going to save $150,000 and months of travel to learn the best of the best breathing science and spirit to apply into your life to eradicate stress using your breath. The world's not getting any easier, but you can be stronger. Join me on this three-week guided journey, including binaural beats, guided breathwork meditations, proper posture and muscle training, so you can learn how to use your breath as your ally for the rest of your life. No matter what comes your way, if you can breathe, you can choose. Use code PODCAST25 over at breathwork.io to save 25% off your Breathe, Breath, and Wellness three-week guided program to work directly with me at breathwork.io. Use code PODCAST25 to save 25% off. I cannot wait to see you in the program.